Good morning. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church. We're so glad to have you with us this morning. Uh, if you Thank you for choosing to come here to Crestview and worship with us. We have an exciting service ahead of us. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I hope you guys are just as excited about it. If you are a guest and visiting with us for the first time, we would love to have a record of your attendance. Um, if you could, there are some cards in front of you. If you'd just fill one of those out and drop it in the offering box, just so we get to know a little bit more about you. Um, as we move into this week, um, do not forget uh, to look at your bulletins and look at the things we have in here. Um, our Wednesday night services, um, normal Wednesday night services. And on top of that, um, we didn't last week, but the week before we started our uh, Christmas play practice, getting ready for that. Um, so uh, we start, we, we, 5.30 again this coming Wednesday, there will be a uh, light meal between when we finish Christmas play practice and when we start uh, church. So uh, come here for that. That's if you're, so if you're, if you are practicing the Christmas play, uh, you don't have to worry about supper. Come and we'll take care of that. Um, we have our trunk or treat coming up on October the 29th. Uh, I'm looking for, uh, if, if you want to donate candy, that'd be awesome. But one thing I'm looking for more than anything is trunks. I would love to have this parking lot filled up with people ready to share the gospel and just smile and laugh and just love the people who come by. We get it. It is a great opportunity to uh, speak with people who may not step on a church uh, within anywhere near the vicinity of a church for the other 364 days of the year. So it is a good opportunity um, to witness and to reach uh, people who are just looking for free candy. And hey, we give them some. We give them free candy. And we can share with them the awesomeness of Jesus Christ. Uh, so I don't think I have a whole lot of announcements. Um, there's a few things about the next couple weeks coming up in your bulletin. So uh, be sure you look at that. And right now, I just invite you to let's turn our hearts toward the Lord and focus on Him this morning. Good morning. It is great to see everybody here this morning. I do have a, a, a couple of announcements also. Um, next week is the third Sunday of the month, so we do have deacons meeting at 8.30. Or, Jim, are you wanting to move it to 8? Or leave it at 8.30 for this month? Leave it at 8.30. 8.30 um, in the prayer room, deacons meeting this coming Sunday. And then also immediately following the service, we will have a business meeting. Also, uh, have a family that's in um, need of some help. And if you are willing to uh, talk to me about ways that we can help them uh, immediately following the service, just meet me back in my office. Um, it's got a, a, a very definite need right now that we need to address. So if you could meet me in the church, in my office immediately following the service, if you're willing to help in any way uh, meet the needs of this family, we, I would greatly appreciate it. And then um, most of you already know, but in case you don't, uh, Marty Osborne passed away about 11 o'clock last night um, at the Wendover Hospice House. Um, his son David, his oldest son, was with him. Ruth had just left not long before that he passed away. But pray for Ruth and David, Chris, and Donna, their children, and the rest of the family. 
um, as they are mourning right now. There's a lot of mixed emotions going on. They're relieved and happy he's no longer in pain. But at the same time, they're sad because Marty's left this earth. But there is hope because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt when he closed his eyes in death here, he opened them in the presence of the of his Savior. And last night, his four-year-old, I believe it was, may have been his great-grandson, was there at the hospice house, and he at first didn't want to go in and see Marty, but they, his mom explained to him what was going on. And this, when you talk about the faith of a child, his four-year-old great-grandson came in and started rubbing his arm and said, It'll be okay because you won't hurt anymore when, you go, when you're in heaven. And uh, told him that he loved him. So uh, that's the truth. He, Marty's not in pain. He's been made whole. And he is actually a lot better off than we are right now because he's in the presence of his Savior. But pray for the family. And um, as we begin our time together, as we have been doing the last uh, few weeks, if you are willing and able, if you would come to the front as we go to the throne of grace and open our service together and just pray your heart out to the Lord. If you're willing, come now to the front as we begin our time together. Let's pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you. Dear Lord, right now, we are joined together as the body of Christ. And we are surrounding this altar right now, seeking your face. Dear Lord, we are going through so many different things and we can all look at it as Satan trying to stop us, trying to defeat us. <clears throat> but dear Lord, you, you tell us in your word, if God is for us, who can be against us? Dear Lord, there is not one person or one thing in this world, whether it be in the spiritual realm or the earthly realm that can stand in your presence. And dear Lord, you tell us that if two or more are gathered in your name, that you would be in the midst of them. And we claim that right now. The fact that you are here with us, that you are moving among your people. And we praise you for that. Dear Lord, we ask that you bind Satan, that anything that he throws at us will be ineffective. That we will trust in you, that we will take courage in you, and that we will rely on you to be our strength, our refuge, and our defender. And dear Lord, we also lean on you as being our provider. 
that you will not call us to do anything without providing a way for us to accomplish that. We claim that, dear Lord. Dear Lord, we pray for the Osborne family, Ruth and David, Donna and Chris, and the rest of the family as they are mourning Marty's homegoing. Dear Lord, we thank you for the hope that he has in his salvation in you. That this is just the beginning of his eternal life. And that he has been made whole and his salvation has been made complete. We thank you for that. But we pray that you will give them the peace that only you can. The comfort that only you can. And the strength that only you can. Dear Lord, we have several within our church that are, that, that are their, their loved ones have gone on. And they still hurt. Dear Lord, I ask that you do the same with them. That you fill them with your presence. That you ease their pain and you comfort them. Dear Lord, I ask you to do great things. I ask you to, to be with our speakers today. That you would speak through them as they share the impact that a shoebox can have on the life of a child. Lord, I pray for our church that we will continue to seek you first, that we will continue to have courage to stand on your word and proclaim your gospel as the only way that we can be made right with God and the only way that we can ever have eternal life in heaven with you. Dear Lord, bless our time together. Change our hearts today and it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ our living Savior we pray Amen Okay, so you're stuck with me this morning. I don't know how to lead music, but we'll just sing the hymns together. I was the, you know, I was the last one on the list uh, to get the call, to get the text and the call from Sandra. So, ah, so okay. Let's all stand, and our hymn is 581. If you want to use your book, and we're gonna sing the first and the last. Jesus saves.
may be seen. All right, guys. So I just realized I didn't put my microphone on. That's good stuff, right? It's because we were outside playing before we came in here. All right, I want to talk to you guys today about something. All right, one of my favorite things about Jesus is that he was the best storyteller ever. Did you know that? No. You didn't know that? No. He told stories, and they were called parables. Have you ever heard of that before? Then you've not been listening to me because I know I've talked about it before, but they were called parables. And today we're going to look at the parable of the persistent widow. What does it mean to be persistent? I bet you guys are very persistent. I bet I could go to your, ask your parents right now and ask how many times a day you ask for something after being told no. You guys go ask for something and are told no. Isabel's raising her hand. She knows. She, she is, the, Teddy, do you ask for stuff even after you're told no? Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> All right, well, in our story today, uh, there was a widow lady, and she went to a judge. What does a judge do? A judge makes, like, helps make decisions. Like says, uh, like you can go to a judge if you're having an argument with somebody, and they can help solve your decisions. Well, this what happened um, in this story. Um, there was a widow lady, and she went to a judge and said, "There's a man who's not being fair to me to give me my rights." At first, the judge refused to do anything. But guess what the lady did? She kept on asking and asking and asking, and guess what happened finally? Usually what happens after you ask your parents a hundred times, what do they usually say? Yeah. Me, I'll just say, you just go do whatever you want to do, just whatever. Just go in the living room and just go leave me alone, right? Does your parents ever tell you that? I bet that happens. See, y'all know that, right? Well, here's the thing. God wants us to come to him. And so sometimes when we ask God for something, it may not be the right time. Like, God doesn't always answer our prayers in the way we want to. Sometimes our, our parents' answers are what? No. You're, sometimes your parents say no, right? Guess what? Sometimes God says no. But He is. He is very nice. He loves us very much. And so the thing is, what I want you to know is, if you're having trouble with something in your life, God wants you to come to him, and he wants you to bring your request before him. Just like this judge, this lady brought her request in front of the judge, and she never give up. All right? Even the judge eventually gave her and helped her what she wanted. Well, here's the thing. Like I said, sometimes God, does it. God says, not right now. Sometimes God says no, but God wants you to bring your, your questions and your problems to him. Because guess why that is? Why do you think God wants you to bring your questions and problems to him? Because he loves you very much. And as sometimes as a parent, 
We may get, your parents may get frustrated when you come and ask them a lot of questions, but your parents still want you to come to them and ask them for certain things, right? They do. Even though we may get frustrated with it sometimes, God loves you very, very much. And even if God tells you no a hundred times and you keep coming to him, he's still going to be willing to listen and he still wants you to bring your situations to him. So I want you to be persistent. Can you say that word for me? Persistent, right? When we're persistent, when we bring our problems to God. Because it's not always, what I say, it's not when I want it. Because if I wanted something and I'm going to ask for it and I want it, I want it right now. Sometimes God says maybe later, right? Sometimes he says no. But God still wants you to come to him. So be sure that you're taking your problems and your situations and all the things you have in your life, be sure you bring those to God. How do we do that? How do we bring those to God? Pray. That's right. That's like, it's like calling up God on the telephone, except for we don't even have to have a telephone. Did you know this? That you don't even have to close your eyes to pray? Like sometimes I pray going down the road, and it wouldn't be a good idea to close my eyes and pray if I'm going down, if I'm driving down the road, right? It's just a, a conversation that I'm, dad, dad closed his eyes while driving down the road praying. Well, it can, but I would, I would recommend if you're ever driving a car and you're praying, not closing your eyes. It wouldn't be a great idea. But it's just a conversation with God. So just remember that. So, so, so how do we take our problems and our, and our issues to God? We pray. So I want to encourage you guys to pray and be persistent, all right? Let's bow our heads together, Lord, in prayer. God, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for being a God who always listens and always gives us what's best for us. And sometimes your answer is no. But Lord, help us to remember to bring our issues and our problems to you persistently. All this I ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing our next hymn. It's I Love to Tell the Story, and we're going to sing verses 1 and 2. Is that what y'all have, verses 1 and 2? All right. So, stand. We'll sing our next <laughs>
Good morning. Uh, we'd like to welcome everyone here this morning and uh, hope you're getting excited about Samaritan Shoe Box Packing. And uh, I had someone come up to me this morning and present a challenge and ask me if I would present it to the church. So uh, we're challenging each family to pack at least two shoe boxes and pay the shipping. If you want to pack more, that's perfectly fine, but we want each family to pack at least two. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, right now, we're getting ready to uh, hear a couple speakers from Samaritan's Purse, and we hope that uh, this will spur you on to wanting to work for them and to pack. Uh, I was able to get reservations this week for going to the processing center in Boone. So uh, I'll be putting a sign up for that um, next week. And if you want to go to Boone on, I believe it's December the 6th, and pack, uh, process shoeboxes, we'll be going then. And um, who's excited about hearing our speakers and getting to pack shoeboxes? Yay! <laughs> Okay, today we're honored to have Donna and Natasha with us. First, Donna is going to speak, and she's going to tell us a little bit about what she does and things that are open to people that they can do other than just packing shoeboxes or going and working in the processing center. Um, after she shares some things with us, she'll introduce Natasha, who is going to tell us about her life and when she received a shoebox. So please welcome Donna. Well, good morning. I want to thank you for allowing us to come this morning and to share what okay, Operation Christmas Child means to us and how it's affected our life. Uh, I, want, I am a year-round volunteer from Spartanburg and I want to thank the church for your past participation and for allowing us to be part of your mission outreach program. And as a year-round volunteer, what we do is we go out and we encourage churches and groups to pack more shoe boxes. The more shoe boxes we have, the more children we can reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a local team member, in encouraging the churches and groups, we have five areas in which you could volunteer to serve year-round. It's church relations, community relations, student relations, logistics, which is the drop-off location, and then the, most importantly, our prayer team. We want to bathe everything in prayer and ask for God's guidance and leadership in that. So if you would be interested in that, if you'll see me after service, I can talk to you, answer a few more questions about that, or if you go to the Operation Christmas Child website and hit the um, get involved link, then that would be a way that you could find out more about it. Uh, as Joy had said, volunteering at the Processing Center is a way to be a short-term volunteer. Also, your local drop-off locations, uh, you can go on the website and do drop-off location locator, and it will show you within a 25 or 50-mile radius the drop-offs in your area and what hours they are open. They are always looking for help to collect the shoe boxes, you know, cartonize them and get them ready to be shipped either to Charlotte or Boone. But also um, in January this year, we have the opportunity to go up and pack the 
Build-A-Box online, and I don't know if y'all are familiar with that. You can go online now and pack a shoebox online just like you would in person. You choose the boy or girl, the age, and you get to choose what items go in it. Those shoeboxes go to more sensitive countries, and so that's just another way to reach out. And then in January in Charlotte, like I said, you can get reservations to go up there and actually pull those boxes and pack them and pray over them as they, before they go out. So I just wanted to share that with you this morning, and it is my privilege to introduce Natasha, and she is going to share with you how one shoebox can affect somebody's life. And I have been told y'all have been packing for over 20 years, so imagine the lives that you personally have been a part of touching. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me here this morning and allowing me to share about who I am and the impact that Ashiba has had in my life. My name is Natasha Ivanova, and I was born and grew up in a country called Belarus. And just to give you a little visual of where this country is located, it's located right next to the big country of Russia and right above Ukraine. It is nestled right there in that corner. In 1986, there was a Chernobyl disaster that occurred in the country of Ukraine. That particular nuclear reaction was the worst reaction to date. And it also impacted about 75% of my own country. I lived about three hours north of Ukrainian border. So my hometown was really heavily impacted by that reaction. Three years later, <coughs> excuse me, I was born into a very loving, close-knit family. I was um, one of three children in my family. I had an older brother and I had a younger brother. I was the only girl in my family and still am. I was also the only one to be born with a physical disability. However, that didn't stop my family from loving me any less. We grew up being very close. We didn't know nothing better but the love we shared between each other. Growing up in a communist country was never easy. Our government has controlled everything, where we live, where we work, you name it. The way that we were able to sustain ourselves from year to year, if we lived off of vegetables and fruit, that my family grew at a garden that we had about 30 to 40 minutes away from the apartment building where we lived. We lived in a two-bedroom apartment, me, my brothers, my parents, and my paternal grandmother, six of us living in a two-bedroom apartment. My parents, they spent 12 to 14 hours a day working at a tire factory where they made tires for buses and 18-wheeler trucks. They were very seldom at home. They worked long hours just to earn enough money to provide for our family. So my paternal grandmother basically raised and took care of us while my parents worked. They worked enough hours to get just enough money to sustain us. And like I said, our means of survival came from vegetables and fruit that we grew from year to year at the garden, with occasional trips to the market where the money was allowed. When I got to be 
seven years old and of a school-age child. That particular summer, my family was greeted with another devastating news. Not only has the communist government was controlling our lifestyle as it was, but we also received news that any child that has any kind of physical disability was not allowed to go to a public school. That crushed my family, and especially it crushed my brothers, who at that time realized that their sister was not going to be able to go to the same school that they are going to go. And it was that summer that my family was faced with the realization that they're going to have to find a school for me to attend because they knew that the education was important in my life, that without the education, I wasn't going to be able to make it for in life. So it was that summer my mom and my dad found an orphanage. That orphanage was a state-run school that was located over two hours away. Now I'm talking about it's a travel by bus, train, another bus, and then a two-mile walk to the orphanage. That was the life I was forced to live, and that was the time I was forced to be pulled from away from the only thing that I knew, from the only love that sustained me up until that time in my life. My mom and my dad made the hardest sacrifice they have had to make up at that time, and that was to place their child into the orphanage that was over two hours away so that she can get the education that is needed. My first year at the orphanage was hard. I often felt alone, and I felt angering me at times, and I also found myself asking the question, why? Why does it have to happen? Why is there myself and so many other children that was at the orphanage that had to be pulled, that had to be taken away from the only thing that we knew and been placed in this state-run orphanage? That place was the last place I wanted to be. However, I didn't realize, but during my second year at that orphanage, my life was about to begin to change. It was that year during one of the coldest days in December, and I'm talking about it at times reaching zero degrees. Sometimes the temperatures can plummet below that. But during one of those particular cold days, I remember my teacher telling us, seven of us in the class, that after lunch that day, instead of going to our rooms for nap times, like we did every day, that we actually going to go to our classrooms first because there's something special waiting for us. Well, the first excitement came to us, the fact that we don't have to go to the nap times right away because we didn't like it. So the fact that we were getting out of the rooms and going to a nap time was an excitement number two. Secondly, after lunch, as we were approaching our class, my teacher had told us that upon the entrance into a class, there is going to be seven boxes sitting on our desk, and that each one of us is going to get one of these boxes, that each one of us is going to be able to keep everything that's in one of those boxes, that those boxes was for us to keep, that there were presents and gifts that were packed by people in America for us. Well, that excited us so much 
because most of us children that were at that orphanage, hearing the word gifts and that we're getting the present was the first, including myself. My parents really didn't give us any presents for holidays and birthdays because the money was not there. We, for the most part, got like candy and fruit and occasionally we got clothes and shoes as we outgrew what we already had. So the fact that we were hearing that we were getting presents was huge. And also that we were able to keep to ourselves what was in those boxes was a blessing number two that day. Because a lot of us there had to share what we had. We had to share the school supplies. We didn't have many school supplies to ourselves. We had to use the school supplies that we had in the front of the classroom, and then at the end of class, we had to put it back. And same thing goes with um, any other things that we had as far as material things is concerned and hygiene items as well. When we entered the classroom, there we saw those boxes that were lining our desk. Each one of those boxes was wrapped in a different kind of uh, Christmas paper. Some were shiny, some was, you know, had different designs on them. That room was filled with so much color at one time that we have ever, most of us have ever seen in our lives. Because we grew up, what we call it a black and white world. We didn't have all those crayons and coloring books and markers and all this color. We just didn't. So the fact that we saw all those boxes wrapped so neatly like that was huge to us. We were so excited. So as we started to dive into our boxes and to go through and see what we got, we end up even exchanging and sharing things amongst each other of what we found in our boxes. And the kid you not, that by the time we left our classrooms that day, none of us left with the exact same thing that we found in our box. We still end up swapping things and sharing things because that's what we were used to. It wasn't new to us. So we end up, you know, making sure that we have either things or even between us. Because some, some of us got some things that others didn't. So we swapped it to make it fair, per se. For me, however, as I got to the end of my box, I came across a little pamphlet. That particular pamphlet was in English, so I didn't know what that was. So I went up to my English teacher and I said, you know, to tell me what that booklet was. She looked at it and as she was handing it back to me, she said, I really don't know what that uh, booklet is doing in your box. You can throw it away, get rid of it, do whatever you want with it. So I said, okay. But as I walked back to my desk, I thought to myself, if it was in my box, there's gotta be some kind of value to it. There's somebody that packed this gift for me, they meant to put that in there. So I saved that booklet, I tucked it back in my box, and I decided to wait until I figured out what that booklet was. That particular cold day when this shoebox landed in my hands, it showed um, really that I wasn't alone that we are loved, that there's somebody out there that cares for us, that there's actually something in this world that's worth living for. 
The following summer, I was also given another huge blessing. I was able to be chosen to come with a group of children to the United States with a program who brought kids here for six weeks during the summer for three main reasons. One was to get, get out of the radiation that we were exposed to 24-7. Secondly, is to experience the life outside of our home. And thirdly, is to get the medical attention that so many of us could not afford or have access to. That trip to the United States was a huge blessing to me for those reasons. But additionally, the most important reason that the trip to the United States was so um, important to me, it was because for the first time, I was introduced to the church. The whole fact of going to church, what the church was about, and why we do it, and also about who Jesus was. Why it was so important to have Jesus in our hearts. The family who hosted me that summer is the same family that I still live with to this day, and my mom actually is with me here this morning. That family who hosted me that summer and for summers after that, I was able to come three more times after that summer. They were an instrumental part in my life for introducing me to Jesus and for bringing me into the church. My family never spoken of the church. We haven't attended church, so I didn't know nothing about it until I came to the United States. After four trips to the United States, I went back home and I decided I was going to figure it out what that booklet was in my shoebox that I got four years prior. I got it out and I started to study. With my little English that I have learned by coming here to the United States and the English-Russian dictionary that was gifted to me, I decided to study the booklet. There were a few pictures in there, not a whole lot. I started to flip through it, started to pull the words out that I knew, and after a little while of studying that booklet, I realized that very booklet that the teacher told me to get rid of four years prior was a salvation track. It was the very story of Jesus and his plan for my life. It was at that time I knew that that was a positive piece of my life that was missing. I started to figure it out that that's what I needed to complete and to make it in life as life went on. This following summer after I realized that, I was given another opportunity to come back to the United States. And it was that summer at First Baptist Church in Melbourne, North Carolina, during vacation Bible school, school, excuse me, I went and I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. That was one of the best decisions I have made in my lifetime. My life has not been e easy since that decision, but I tell you what, with Jesus on my side, he was able to help me get through any obstacle that was before me. My path to finding that Jesus all started from the time and from that day that that shoebox landed in my hands. That shoebox, as little as it is, and as the small of the items that fills it, came to, to me during one of my vulnerable times in my life. At the times in my life when I felt things were crushing around me, 
how it was so not fair that I was pulled away from home and it landed into my hands and it showed me love and hope that I never thought would ever exist again. And it showed me hope that there is more to this life than I thought. So as I stand here before you guys this morning, first and foremost, I'm gonna say thank you for all of you here that packed those shoe boxes. And I wanna encourage you not to ever stop. If you pack two or three of however many you allow for yourself to pack, pack it. Those boxes, they impact children around the world in more ways than one. Not only do they provide the material needs that the children do not have, but they also will lead them to the same Jesus that my led me. And so I wanna encourage you guys not to stop. And if you're here this morning that haven't really done them before, or just didn't have the time to do it, I just hope that you'll make the time for it this year because those boxes go a long ways. They not only impact the children that get it, but also the families those children are a part of, if any. So I wanna thank you so much for those two that pack them from the bottom of my heart because it means a whole lot to me and so many children around the world. And before I close, I want to leave you guys with a scripture verse that has been very dear to my heart for years. And it comes from Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Also, before I step down, I have with me a packed shoe box that me and my mom had packed and labeled and tracked. So this box has also been tracked. And we have decided this year for the first time in years since her and I have been packing those, that our goal this year as we pack those boxes and track them, I thought to myself and told her that as we, as I am traveling and speaking to different churches, I decided to pack a box and track it and bring one with me and live it at every church that I go to. And just to see how many different countries our boxes can go to. So this morning I have one of these boxes that we have filled and tracked and that I'm gonna leave here at this church for you guys to send it off to wherever it would go. So thank you so much. Thank you, Donna and Natasha. And <clears throat> thank you, Joy, for getting them. We are very fortunate. It is very difficult to actually get on the schedule to get speakers. And we are very fortunate that we were able to get Natasha to come and share. We've been able to see videos of people talking about getting their sho a shoebox as a gift and the impact. But this is the very first time that we've actually heard in person the impact that 
this simple little gift had on a child's life and how through the receiving of this shoebox, they came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We tell you guys all the time that when we pack these shoeboxes, when we give the money for postage, when we volunteer at the distribution centers, even when we take up mission offerings, that everything we do furthers the cause of Christ. It enables us to share the gospel and allows others to share the gospel with people all over the world. So thank you, Natasha, for sharing that. Church, everything that we do is to fulfill the Great Commission. If we stop doing that, we are no longer a church. We're a country club. Our purpose is to make more disciples. Spending the, our efforts in sharing the gospel, pouring into other people's lives to help them understand what it means to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So I encourage you, as we've been, we've heard these stories. I encourage you to listen to what God is telling you. And I'm going to, to pray right now, and as I pray, I'm going to ask Jackie and and Lisa to come forward to, to, to lead us in a song of invitation. And if God is dealing with you in any way, shape, or form, listen to what God is telling you. And during this invitation, if you need to come forward and pray, if you need to go talk to somebody else, whatever it is God is leading you to do, this is your opportunity to respond to Him. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our blessed Savior, thank you for, for allowing Donna and Natasha to come speak to us about the impact of Operation Christmas Child and Samaritan's Purse. Dear Lord, we thank you for all of those children that have come to know you as their Savior through the, 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 the gift of a shoebox. Dear Lord, right now, I ask that you move among your people that you touch our hearts and that you deal with us so that we can become more and more like you. I ask all of this in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Uh, our inv invitation hymn is number 559, Rescue the Perishing. Please stand. Rescue the perishing
night. Christmas played practice at 5.30. Short, small meal between Christmas play practice and Bible study at 6.30. We'll be here in the, in the sanctuary for, uh, for work continuing our study of Acts. Youth and children will meet in the youth building. Don't forget about that. Also, don't forget that if you're willing or being led to help minister to this family that we, that we know of that is needing some help right now, please meet me in my office immediately following the service, and, and I will share with you exactly what the need is and, and what we need to, to do to meet that need. And please continue to pray for Marty and Ruth. Marty's celebration of life service is going to be on Saturday, November 5th. Yes, that's a month away, but they have family from all over that they are they're wanting to, to allow everybody to be able to come to. So please be in prayer for them. And I'm going to ask Robbie as our deacon of the week if he would come and dismiss us in prayer. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for letting Donna and Natasha come to speak to us about Operation Christmas Child. Lord, we also ask you to be with, Marty and, uh, be with Marty's family, be with Ruth and the children, Lord, and just bless them and be with them during this time of, of struggle with and grief of Marty's passing. Lord, and I just ask you to be with us and guide us this week and lead us and do your, do your will this, this week, Lord. And just be with us as we go from here today. In your name we pray. Amen.